What's up, guys? Welcome to Juice Podcast. My name is Solomon Lee at Solomon Lee NBA on Twitter. And I realized normally you guys get a podcast from me on Monday, and today is Tuesday, and I'll explain why. So I basically took a three week sabbatical to take care of some things, and I was like, okay, I was gonna come back. That was always the plan. Uh, I didn't write. I didn't go to Rockets games. I basically only did the podcast. And on Sunday night, I couldn't even do the podcast, but I knew I'd be able to come back on the seventeenth. Today's the 17th as at the time of this recording. So I'm back. I will be back to obviously writing again, being back at the Toyota Center. But to make up for it, I will be doing two podcasts this week. So instead of your normal one every Monday, I'm going to be doing two uh, 15 to 20 minute podcasts this week. And I'm, I want to talk today about big picture items. It's just going to be me today. Uh, we're going to have a guest on later in the week. But I want to talk about big picture stuff. So let's start with this Twitter Spaces stuff, by the way, because I think this is really freaking cool. So I'm I'm someone who doesn't really use Twitter that often. I realize if you know you follow me, you're you're probably like, what the hell are you talking about, Salman? You've tweeted like fifty thousand times. Well, I'm not on Twitter a lot. I just I don't I don't browse Twitter a lot. I I just. I use it, I tweet, I have to tweet, uh, otherwise I wouldn't be using that. I'm not a big fan of social media. So, you know, a lot of times I do get kind of disconnected from the fan base, from the Rockets fans, right? And I, I, it's hard for me to gauge how they feel about the team, how they feel about certain players, how they feel about, you know, certain concepts. And this Twitter Spaces thing has provided me a great opportunity to just chill in the back. Like, a lot of times I'll just go to a Twitter space and I'll just sit there and I'll just listen to you guys because I want to hear what the fans have to say about the team and about the players and stuff. And like, it's a really cool concept, but I bring this up to say this. So during the week, friend of the podcast, Dave Hardesty, otherwise known as Clutch Fans, um, hosted one of these Twitter spaces. And, you know, I, I went ahead and, you know, as I'm apt to do when I, when I get the time, I went ahead and listened because I thought it was, I wanted to hear what everybody had to say about things. And, you know, I was listening, I was listening, and then um, it got to the point where they were talking about the trade deadline, and I was eager to talk about the trade deadline, and more specifically, something that Dave said that piqued my interest um, in regards to the Rockets and big picture stuff at the trade deadline. He said that he would not be willing to trade for Ben Simmons if he were the Rockets. And I thought... This idea of completely dismissing that, I thought that was kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say crazy, but I, I, I disagreed with the idea. So I went ahead and raised my hand and I spoke and I asked Dave, you know, what, why, why would you not get into the Ben Simmons sweepstakes? And what Dave said was that, well, I'm not sure that price, he's willing to pay the price, right? And I, I essentially said, so what is the price? What are you not willing to put on the table? Because I, I went ahead and said, if I'm Houston, I'd be willing to put... The Nets picks, I'd be willing to put, obviously, Christian Wood and Eric Gordon because you have to for the salary matching purposes. And what Dave essentially said is the 2022 pick, I'm not putting that on the table. And I thought that was interesting. I thought that was interesting for a, for a few reasons. Number one, uh, this idea that it's going to be a surefire top five pick if you trade for Ben Simmons. I think that's a little misguided. I think it's 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 po- very possible that it could be a top five pick, but let, let's say you let's say you trade that pick and you get Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons immediately makes you better, right? So you're not gonna ha- you're probably not gonna have at that point top five lottery odds. 
I would say, you know, losing Eric Gordon and Christian would obviously hurt you, but I think getting Ben Simmons in the aggregate is probably better for better than those two players, and he makes you better enough to where you're probably in a bottom, you know, in that top 10, you're a bottom five team. So you're, you're more likely five to 10 in lottery odds as opposed to one through five. Now, that doesn't mean you, can, you can't jump into the top five. Obviously, it's happened before, uh, especially with this new rate revamp lottery system. But that's a factor, right? So you're not going to guarantee have top five lottery odds if you trade for Ben Simmons. Also, I, th- I think this idea that you're going to get a player immediately that's likely going to be better than Ben Simmons at his peak in the top five. I think that's a little misguided. Now let's go. Let's go ahead and go through some of these drafts. But actually, before we get into each of these drafts, let's establish what Ben Simmons is at age twenty-five, right? Because to be clear, born in ninety-six, July of ninety-six, still twenty-five years old, right? Still relatively young. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's a young player, but he's youngish, right? Um, let's let's look at what he's accomplished by age twenty-five. Three-time NBA All-Star, All-NBA third team uh, in 2020, two-time All-Defensive first team, NBA Rookie of the Year. That's a pretty accomplished basketball player, right? You're talking like at age 25, the, the amount of players that reach that level, very, very short list. And let's go ahead and go through these drafts to see like, let's see how many of these players in these top five in the top five range actually end up getting there right we're not talking the entire draft because let's assume the rockets get a top five pick how many of these players actually end up being top five players so what we're going to do is ben simmons has played in the nba for six years right we have a six-year sample size and he he gets that level of of he gets those accolades within six years right so we're going to do up until 2016 so 2006 up until 2016, a 10-year period, or excuse me, an 11-year period where all these players got a chance to establish themselves. So I went ahead and found every all-star the all-star that I could in that top five. So all, strictly in that top five. So let's just say the Rockets get a top five pick. This is what you're looking at in, in terms of the top five. LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant, Al Horford, Mike Conley, Derek Rose, Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, James Harden, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal, Victor Oladipo, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Brandon Ingram, Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown. Now, I was very generous with the the namings, the names on those lists. Like, I didn't have to mention Mike Conley or Brandon Ingram or some some other players on this list. Right, like I, I, I didn't have to mention. I na- I mentioned those just for posterity. So that's twenty players out of fifty-five players in the draft. That is a thirty-six percent conversion rate for stars. Now, listen, if you bring that up to an NBA general manager, they're gonna be like, "That's a pretty high rate." If you're telling me I have a thirty-six percent chance to get a star, give me that thirty-six percent. Right, that's that's a very high rate. That's why everybody wants top five picks. Now, in relation to trading for a star, right? Trading that pick for a star, it's not that high. It's not that high. You're getting a 100% star that's 25 years old for a 36% chance at a star, basically, right? 
And that's if they get top five odds. That drops down significantly if they only have top 10 odds, right? And that, in terms of that rate of conversion, it drops down a lot more. So this idea that you're going to get someone that's 100% better than Ben Simmons is misguided. It just is. The math tells you that's not true. I mean, even the scouts will tell you that's not true. There, there, there aren't many prospects in this draft that are even comparable to Simmons. Like people are much lower on this draft than they were 2021. So yes, I understand like this idea of getting very excited for a young player makes a lot of sense, right? Like I, I completely understand why my any any fan base would be excited for trading for a top five player. But this idea of completely we're not we're we're not trading this pick. Eh, I don't know about that. If I can get a star, and I still think Ben Simmons is a star, I'm open to trading that pick. Depends on the, what else that other team is asking for, obviously. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight like hell to get protections on that pick. But ultimately, if that is the price of getting a star, I'm open to trading that pick. Like that, I just think that's... Like you have you have to you have to go back and look at this man. The draft is such a crapshoot. I just picked an eleven year period. I didn't pick a random year period, like a random two or three year period where like there could be a lot of variation, right? Where like there could be a high percentage of stars or a low percentage of stars. I thought it was pretty fair. I picked eleven years, and from those eleven years, you got twenty all stars. So out of fifty five players, you got twenty, right? Again, good good percentage in terms of drafting a star. Not a good percentage in terms of getting a guaranteed star versus trading that star. I just think like you have to be open to it, man. Like the, you, this this idea of like completely closing it off, especially because Ben Simmons would be such a great fit alongside this core. Like putting him next to Shengun and Green. Like I think that's a that's a dream fit. Those guys need awesome defenders to be next to them. Right, like Shengun and Green, I don't project either of them to be uh, good NBA defenders. You know, they might end up becoming uh, capable or average, or you know, slightly below average. Right, at best, like all, all in terms of those outcomes, those are probably their best case scenario outcomes. They're not guaranteed, right? But if you can, if you can get someone that's awesome defensively, like one of the, legitimately a candidate for defensive player of the year every single year because he's so versatile in what he can do. And you put him at the power forward position next to Shingun long-term, right? Because I think Shingun is probably their long-term starter at center. He cleans up so much for you guys, for Houston long-term um, defensively. And it just it makes sense. Surrounding those guys with high-level defenders and high-level defender that, that's so intelligent with the ball in his hands... Um, who can who can play make and make up for what Jalen Green isn't as a playmaker? Right, Jalen Green's a better playmaker than I thought he'd end up being. He's still not his his ceiling as an NBA playmaker. It's not going to be this heliocentric James Harden guy, right? I, I think people are starting to see that he's probably going to be more of an off the ball type, or like not someone who's not going to touch the basketball. Obviously, he's gonna he's going to be a scorer, so he's going to touch the basketball, but he's not going to be a high usage guy, like a very high usage guy. So when you look at when you look at what that what those guys end up being as passers, like it's you're gonna need to surround um, 
him with as many payable passers, passers as you possibly can. Obviously, Shangun is one of those guys, but having another guy in Simmons, who is an awesome passer as well, makes a lot of sense from a team building standpoint. So, like this idea of like Houston trading for Simmons, uh, I said it before, even if they don't trade for Simmons, I think there's a lot to be gained for being in the conversation because uh, even if you don't get him, you can facilitate the trade and facilitating the trade may be able to get you some like multiple first round picks or assets or young players back like you gotta you gotta be in those conversations so like i just want to rebuttal on that because like this i i think you have to understand what the draft is but one singular draft within itself is not a guarantee is not a guarantee at getting a star so um i no no pick is off is off the table if if i'm trading for a star that's 25 years old like i i'm none absolutely none uh, if Jalen Brown's on the table, no picks is off the table. No pick is off the table from Houston. So that's a big picture item I want to hit on. Another big picture item I want to hit on is actually Kevin Porter Jr. Because after the incident, right? And I guess that's what we're going to refer to it on this podcast from now on. After the incident, a lot of conversation started surrounding Kevin Porter Jr. Both nationally and uh, to some extent on a local level, right? As to whether or not this guy is worth keeping around for Houston long-term. And I just think that conversation's a little silly. Um, first of all, how does it hurt to keep him around? Uh, this idea that uh, he is functionally hurting the rebuild at all or that he's this cancerous person in the locker room, it's just not true. Like, that's not coming out at all. It's, it's No one's saying that. He's obviously... Uh, a precarious personality that Houston has to work with, right? And that's why they paired him with John Lucas and they're going to continue to work with. But as far as like him being like a consistent thorn in the Rockets side, it's just not true. Uh, second of all, you don't, you don't give up on talent like that. You just don't like, uh, like this is me talking someone who's not as high as others are and can get Porter junior. Like it, like he's just, he's right on that level where he's too talented for me to give up. For nothing. I think this, the, the idea of Houston waving him, that makes no sense to me. Why? why? Why would they do that? Like, why would they not just keep him, develop him? And even if they aren't, like, if they aren't really feeling too hot on him, they can just put him in a, low, in a lower role, right? And I, 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 don't, I don't think the role he's in is actually a problem. Like, so they want to see what he what he can be, right? Like they're betting on him. They're betting on him big time. They cl- they clear the decks for him to be their starting point guard by putting John Wall on the on ice, right? And they want they you know the organization believes he there's something there to explore, not something there that's guaranteed, but something that they want to explore because the talent is tantalizing, man. Like there are games and moments with Kevin Porter Jr. where it's like I get it. I get why the organization's high on him, or, or I get why the organization wants to see what they have here. And there aren't any moments on or off the court that just lead me to believe that they should give up on him. Like, he's clearly an NBA player. He's clearly going to be a successful NBA player. Now, where, how successful, that's anybody's, that's, you know, anyone's best guess. But the, the goal of their rebuild is to acquire assets, right? Stack up on assets. Assets, meaning young players, potential star players, and establish their value 
And you know, if 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 eventually a star player becomes available, trade them, or if they become star players, keep them. So this this idea of of giving up on him before he's even a restricted free agent, and they can basically pay him pennies on the dollar. It just it, it's just dumb. I, I, I don't I don't understand it. it. It never made sense to me. Like financially, it makes no sense to me. Basketball wise, it makes no sense for me from an organization prospect. Um, you know, organization trying to acquire prospect standpoint doesn't make any sense to me. It makes no sense to me on no level. Uh, it, it just it just sounds like something a curmudgeon play, a person would say. I don't think he's hurting their development, their on court development. Like I I'm, I'm hearing a lot. Like you know, people think that he's hurting Jalen Green's development. I I don't think that. Um, first of all, Jalen Green is not. I, I again, I've said it before. I I don't think he's he's going to end up being this heliocentric guy that needs the ball all the time. Like I don't think that's his NBA ceiling. I don't. I think he's going more. He's going to be Zach Levine, somebody who can, who needs the ball obviously, but not as much as other players. You know, like I think he's going to be someone who um, can play off the ball and playing playing alongside aside like a, a high usage player like Kimbrough Jr. might actually be a benefit to him because he's gonna he's gonna develop all these habits about moving off the ball and moving without the basketball. And yes, there are moments where Kevin Porter Jr. misses Jalen Green, right? Well, the isolations in the corner in particular are very dumb. I, I, he needs to cut that out of his game where he's just in the corner and he's going to drive baseline and probably go turn the ball over or drive baseline and, you know, throw, throw an errant pass that's probably going to get stolen, right? Like that needs to stop. <laughs> right. Uh, and there are moments where he sees Jalen Green on those possessions and he just doesn't doesn't give the ball to him. Um, he's like one pass away. He doesn't give the ball back. Got him. Like, like, okay, that's kind of dumb, but who cares? That's like a couple possessions a game where Jalen Green isn't being optimized to his absolute highest potential. What's wrong with that? <laughs> like, like that's I, I don't understand. Like, like I, I don't understand how that's hurting his development. Um, he's getting the ball a lot. He, he is a pretty high usage for a guy that's um, being made to be this victim, right? He's he's he gets the he has the ball in his hands a lot, <laughs> and he's gonna get he's gonna have the ball in his hands a lot more when Eric Gordon gets traded at the trade deadline, and if Christian Wood gets traded, he'll get the ball even more, <laughs> right? But bottom line is he has a pretty decent usage already. He's just not scoring as efficiently right now, right? He's like a fifty three percent true shooting guy. He needs to get to like 55, 56, 57 to be like efficient. And when when he gets there, he, you'll, you'll see his point his points per game is going to rise up to 18, 19, 20, right? Like that's going to make a big difference. His as his efficiency goes up, his scoring average will go up. Um so I I don't understand the panic there. You know, like like this, what I don't understand why it hurts him to have, to play next to Jalen Green. Now, long term, as you're building out the team, I I don't believe that Kevin Porter Jr. is a starting caliber point guard. I'd like to put next to Jalen Green, but in the interim, I don't know how it hurts. Right? Like you're not building a contender right now. Who cares? You know, like maybe when it's time to build a contender, then you can have that conversation about trading away uh, Kevin Porter Jr. But right now. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I, I thought that that whole talking point was very silly. Um, I think Houston should see what they have in 
Kevin Porter Jr. I still think he's got a compelling storyline, even though I'm, I may not be high, as high on him as, as a lot of people. I think um, he's worth giving usage to. I think he's worth uh, it's worth seeing what he is. Um, uh, I, I think obviously he has his warts. Uh, the turnovers are still a problem. The shooting uh, efficiency is still a problem. Uh, we'll see if he irons that out. If it doesn't, then you can talk about you know, potentially just letting him walk in restricted free agency to another team for a price that's not, you know, what you're willing to pay. But we're not there yet. So that dis- that discussion needs to stop. It's weird. I think it's weird. Oh, another big picture point that I want to talk about. I came up with some trades that I think would be interesting. First of all, I think Memphis is a sneaky team that could trade for Kevin for Christian Wood first of all they have a ton of picks not a ton of picks but they have an adequate amount of picks like they have three first rounders this season and over the next four years I think they have like seven first rounders right like that's that's a hell of a lot of first rounders and they're not going to draft all of them and they're a win now team and they have a problem they I don't they don't have a problem at center but they could upgrade at center. Steven Adams is fine to play in a pinch at starting center if you're a contender. I think I'd rather have Christian Wood. And I think he's affordable. Like he's his contract is cheap and it's like this uh, trading for him, I think it's uh it might be it's a pretty smart move, I think, if I'm if I'm Memphis because you can use Steven Adams co- contract straight up in a one for one swap and use picks as a currency to acquire Christian Wood. They have the Lakers pick, they have the Jazz pick, and they have their own pick. Houston can take the two the two worst picks there, which is probably the Memphis pick and the Jazz pick. And that might be enough to get it done for Memphis. That's affordable, man. I don't know. Like especially um with this draft, like this draft, uh when you get down to the twenties and thirties, like it's not it's not that appealing. There's, this is pretty much shaping up to be a four to five player draft right now, and after that, like I think I'm willing to move those picks. It's just an interesting thing to think about, like Memphis as a possible team. You know, even even if they don't want to trade picks, you know, what if Houston wanted Brandon Clark, right? I think that's an interesting idea, trading for a player like that. They've been interested in Brandon Clark in the past, so I think I think this idea of uh, of Memphis trading for Christian Wood. I, pr- I probably should have discussed it on the last episode with Danville Valley. Also, I probably also should have discussed this because I basically proposed a similar trade. Um, I proposed the idea of Russell Westbrook going to Cleveland, right, in a Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio dead salary swap. What if, what if Cleveland did that same trade with Houston for John Wall instead? What if they decided, you know what, we don't want to deal with John Wall, but we'll deal with... with we don't want to deal with Russell Westbrook, we'll, but we'll deal with with John Wall. Like John Wall, uh, you know, probably fits in better uh, to what we're trying to do here. And he he's a obviously a very good facilitator. Uh, fits the Ricky Rubio mode par- perfectly, like to a T. Does exactly what Rubio is doing for you. And um, I don't know. I I think that's an interesting trade. Like if if Houston, I don't think they'll they'll be able to trade John Wall. To be clear, I don't think they'll be able to. But if they if they could, 
you know, everybody's been talking about this this Russell Westbrook for John Wall swap. What about this swap? You know, Rubio and Kevin Love. And, you know, maybe the cost of doing so for Houston is probably, a, you know, maybe a second round pick. Something like that. You know, maybe they have to get fork over a small asset. I don't think it's, you know, the worst thing in the world. I think it's an interesting idea. Especially Kev, Kevin Love can help you uh, if you're going to trade um, Christian Wood eventually. And so can Ricky Rubio next season. He can be a good backup point guard for you. So, I don't know. It's an interesting idea to explore. So, I think we've covered pretty much everything I wanted to cover. Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. But this is kind of a pretty nice and short podcast that I wanted to give to you guys for Tuesday morning. And I'll give you guys one more podcast before the week is over. And then we'll have, we'll go back to our Monday posting schedule. I apologize for not having one ready for Monday. It won't happen again. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Give me five stars on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Uh, follow me on Twitter at SaulMileyNBA. And follow the podcast on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops. And yeah, guys. Good night.